Welcome to Getting Goosebumps, The Power of Storytelling, the weekly podcast helping you to craft stories that inspire, entertain, and convince. Each week, listen to leading industry experts, from top marketers and CEOs to producers and writers from the entertainment industry. Learn how to elevate your brand message and spare your audience into action. This week on Getting Goosebumps, I speak to Ed Natherson. Ed is CEO and founder of Red Pill Talent and a bit of a legend in the world of employer branding. If you've ever seen him speak on stage, you will agree with me that he is a compelling storyteller and very entertaining personality indeed. Ed is working in the industry with over 20 years of experience, developing and building highly effective strategies for his clients, working on employer branding and talent attraction. Ed's mantra is even the most revolutionary idea in the world is nothing without the right people to build it and drive it forward. And he says attracting the right people is all about telling the right story. So naturally, we dove straight into a thoroughly entertaining and wide-ranging discussion. And throughout, Ed's passion shines through and there's lots of pearls of wisdom to be had throughout. Sit back and relax and see what you think. Ed, thanks for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. It's even a bigger pleasure for me to be talking to you. I've been dorking out to PH Creative for a long time now, so uh, it's awesome for me. No, <laughs> dork chills going on. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you, Ed. Um, you know, I reached out to you, asked you to be on the show because I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours as well. And I recently watched um, one of your um, keynotes at, uh, at Talent Connect, and uh, I've seen you speak before, but it's it's something that uh, you consistently talk about, and um, it always resonates in terms of how to um, elicit emotion and really connect with an audience. Um, so, can we start there, Ed? Can you um, give us a bit of context about your your sort of background and the value that you bring from a red pill talent perspective? But then let's jump straight into how you make um, emotion the sort of centrifugal force of the, the content that you produce. Yeah. So so first off, just a little bit about me. Um, what's not known commonly uh, to even some friends is that when I graduated college, I had desires to do stand-up comedy and actually picked myself up as an East Coast guy, moved out West you know, to Hollywood with big dreams, uh, didn't like Hollywood very much, moved up to San Francisco, but did stand-up for about a year. Um, it gave me the creative chops, I think, to bring to later on in life because clearly that didn't work out. <laughs> I gave myself a year and uh, there was a lot of crickets chirping at times that I was trying to make people laugh, but it built up character too. So I, uh, I moved back and like most of us in the world of recruitment, fell into a job at a staffing agency and you know, flash forward 20 some odd years later, I was able to lead recruiting at companies, global companies like Kronos, uh, startups that have since gone public like Rapid7, as well as, you know, I remember when I was with the company, probably a lot of you are familiar with Constant Contact, mm -hmm. when they were 30 people in a basement in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Wow. So I've been in small startups and large multinationals and, 
you know, unlike a lot of people in the employer brand space, I actually didn't grow up via marketing. I grew up via recruitment and HR. I was a director of HR at some of these companies as well. Yeah. And recruitment fell under that. So about, you know, gosh, maybe six, seven years ago when I first got to Rapid7 is when I caught the real employer brand bug. Mm-hmm. Um, they were uh, not, not known at all at the time, about 100 people, software security company in downtown Boston in the Prudential building, which if you don't know Boston is basically the heart of where, you know, financial people and lawyers and lots of suits. And here you had this company that was shirts and, you know, T-shirts and jeans and and very kind of rock and roll at the time. And, you know, you'd walk into the lobby and hear Ice Cube playing. I remember the first time I was like, these are, these are my people. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, we did this whole thing where like, you know, I was in tech up to that point for most of my career and they're in tech and I hadn't heard of them. So I said, we have a problem and what are we going to do? They wanted to grow fast. So what do we do? We started to embrace that and we took some chances that, quite frankly, my prior employer would have fired me for. Um, you know, we did we did a lot of things around their core values and, and knowing the audience we wanted to attract was really key. And I'm sure we'll talk about that, but that we did this whole spoof of called Rapid 7 at the Movies, which was basically – around our core values. So for passion, we did a flash dance parody, you know, for commitment, we did a Rocky parody, you know, so on and so forth. And it really caught fire. And I started to see not only applicants increasing, but people just buzzing about the company, awareness, all of these things that started to happen. We started winning awards and having articles written about us and people you know, just wanting to meet the flash dance guy and all that stuff. And it was, it was crazy to me. And that's when I caught the bug and and saw the value of of what you can do, you know, an employer brand if you just kind of own it and and take some chances. And so then, you know, three three and a half years ago now, you know, approaching four, I decided, you know what, that was the best job I ever had, but I wanted to do this for a lot of companies. So for the last you know, three and a half years, I've been working with multinationals like Cisco and small startups that are nine people and then everywhere in between across many different verticals, you know, from tech to manufacturing to life sciences, you name it. And it's just been a hoot. Yeah, well, you know what, Ed, you're one of those people that you, you know, whether you know you, whether you know you really well or you watch from a distance, you know, you definitely enjoy life, you know, you're, um, you look on the on the, the sunny side, and I think you've got to take that into an organisation, and um, I, th- I think that's important with 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 what you do. But it was interesting about the stand up comedy. Um, I think you have mentioned that before, but I, I wasn't quite sure of the the timeline. Uh, is that the is is that the sort of influence that um, that you've brought into employer brand? Because you're quite passionate about looking for humour, and I guess trying to humanise a brand, right? You know, is that where it came from? Yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you and, you know, and, you know, Brian, we know each other, but I'm a bit self-deprecating. And I would say I was always the class clown, you know, <laughs> growing up, you know, and I'm not the best looking dude, but I will make you laugh and, and <laughs> chicks dig laughs, you know, so <laughs> whatever I could do to get their attention, I did. Uh, but no, truly, um, I think that it's something that, you know, I look at the things that I'm passionate about in life. And coming from the recruiting world as well, I've always tried to put myself, you know, whether I was a recruiter or a sourcer or leading recruiting teams, 
in the candidate's shoes, uh-huh. right? And I yeah. think, you know, particularly over the last 10 years, the, 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 whole, the whole landscape of recruiting has, has a seismic shift okay. because not only is the economy healthy and people have more options than ever before, but it's also they have more information than ever before. Mm-hmm. And that's changed the game. Yeah. You know, you look at all these statistics that have come out, you know, about the average time someone researches a company before applying. And, yeah. you know, you see the the analytics behind people looking at companies and following companies and mm-hmm. that journey that happens before they ever hit apply or reply to a recruiter's email that shaped their decisions and, and perceptions of a company that just didn't exist before. And I think a lot of companies are putting their head in the sand and not really understanding that impact yep. of a journey. You know, uh, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but every important purchase you've ever done in life is driven by emotion more than anything else. You know, I talked about in the talk you saw some of the psychology behind consumer behavior. Yeah. And likability is far more important from a psychological research perspective than ever is what the product does, right? Oh, or the oh, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, do you know, Ed, um, as much as, you know, your philosophy, you know, and I share the same philosophy, is now backed up by evidence, you know, it's fact. There's probably still a lot of uh, frustrated recruiters. Uh, there's probably a lot of frustrated marketers and people who are in organizations that, just don't seem to be able to get their team or um, their peers, their boss, to, to give them the confidence to take what is a perceived risk of humanizing uh, a brand, relaxing, maybe even showing a bit of vulnerability, um, an element of weakness, or, you know, or just, a, just that lightheartedness that you were talking about there. What's your advice yeah. to those people who need to just try something and get the brand, the organization to go a different route. Yeah. So I'm going to dork out for you for a second and I'm going to start <laughs> quoting Yoda and I'm going to say fear leads to the dark side. And I understand, I understand uh, why there is that sentiment. I come across it in most of the companies I work with, quite frankly, and, and in my past at other companies where I've approached things a bit differently and trying to do it exactly what you're just talking about. I get it. Marketers come up with the, with the, with the kind of training and the, the background to say, we have to reach as big an audience as possible. And to do that, we've got to kind of be, you know, less risk-taking and more kind of down the traditional path of what works and what has worked. Mm-hmm. But what I would argue is, and what I say to them is, is that, you know, let's look at it from a pure, you know, goal perspective. You're looking to bring people in that are not only going to be amazing at their jobs, but are engaged in their jobs, you know, impact in the company, and more importantly, fit the environment that you do it in and the people who you do it with. To do that in a world where you have this gig economy happening now, where people are leaving jobs every two or three years, to really find the people that are going to fit your tribe, you got to kind of go out there and make make something a little bit that's going to say stand out, first of all, but speak to them in a meaningful way that leads them to buy something that they're emotionally impacted and engaged with. Absolutely. Again, you, you look at all of the, you know, the, the brands out there or the movies or whatever they are, whatever campaigns that really stick out to you. 
there's a reason behind it that's beyond what the product or service does. Mm -hmm. It's the people behind it that are the biggest drivers to it. Yeah. Right. And so like, go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off. No, no. I I think just um, staying on that sort of train of thought, this, this is, this is quite controversial now, uh, Ed, but I'm starting to see uh, a trend towards employer brand being much more valuable and important to an organization than a consumer brand. And the reason being is I see a lot of marketing departments spend a lot of time, effort, resource in synthetically creating fictional story. We're actually, with an employer brand, um, those stories are real and they exist. They're authentic. They are um, heartwarming. They are funny. They are sad. You know, it's, Usually there is a rich tapestry of beautiful human stories that exist in the organization that you just, you just can't seem to create in a marketing department. Now, that is, as a sort of recovering marketer, um, that, I, I know that's contentious, but what, what, would, what would you contribute to that, to that argument? Yeah, so I have a great example of that. So there's a software security company here in Massachusetts where I live that was a startup at the time. And, you know, the CEO was one who, you know, was kind of hesitant at first around all of these initiatives to to really kind of see what it meant. And he was one of those people who was afraid. Well, what does this mean? What are we trying to do? Right. And as soon as they started to get going with it, we saw some results. What he found was it helped the business beyond just bringing great people in. He found customers referencing the employer brand stuff they were doing, whether it's videos or social activity or whatever it was. And then he started to see the glass door implications of how many people started going to the profile. And they were customers <laughs> who were referencing, wow, that yeah. your, your, your people really seem to like it there. And, you know, flash forward, you know, two years after this initiative, the CEO will tell you, you know, because they ended up selling to a multinational company for, you know, a great exit, that that wouldn't have been able to happen if it wasn't for this stuff. Right. Totally. And he sees the value now that, you know, again, it goes back to people buy from people. And, you know, whether it's a car or a house or whatever major purchase you're doing in your life, I don't care, you know, if the car is amazing, if the salesperson's a jerk, you're not buying it. <laughs> it's, true. You know? it's true. Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. and it's the same thing with purchasing software or a service or whatever it is. I always say, picture yourself at home at night. You get a call from a number you don't recognize. You're not answering it. Totally. What, what this stuff does is start to bring down the I don't know you factor, make you approachable, make you accessible, and make people feel like, you know, I can I like those people or I don't like those people. But either way, if you're doing it the right way, it's for your product, you know, the best thing if you kind of own what you are. Totally. 100%. And there's more and more um, evidence to support this. All the time, right? You know, um, but surely there's there must be there must be a smart way of packaging this up and taking it into organisations that are still sceptical. You know, and you know when we talk about it so vigorously and passionately with with examples, um, it's hard to believe that there's organisations that aren't um, jumping all over this. But it's it's not the case, though, is it? You know, it's still a relatively new concept. Are you still finding that you have to go into organizations and still educate before um, before you, you, you deliver? 
No question. So, so yes, I do work with some multinationals, but typically I'm more on the SMB side, mm-hmm. you know, which is actually the majority, less than, you know, than of the, course, the, yeah. the, you know, which people seem to forget, but it's the majority of organizations out there. And there's no question that, you know, I'm usually brought in because someone either heard me speak or I had some relationship or they saw some stuff that they really liked that I did and I'm in there and they're my advocate. And then they put me in front of the executives, right? And I sit there with the executives and I go through a lot of the stuff that you and I know as as kind of second nature. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I always love watching their reactions as I go through some of the statistics, <laughs> through some of the, you know, some of the results that have happened and some of the campaigns that we've done, because they, it's like the light bulb starts to go off, right? Because I always hear, and I used to say this too, Brian, when I ran recruiting, was hiring is our biggest problem, right? <laughs> but it's not. It's about attraction. If yeah. you can't get to the dance first, it doesn't matter who you're dancing with. You know, <laughs> and and I really believe that, like, you know, it's like you got to get you got to get people to the to the to the door. And and again, like, you know, hiring is a byproduct of getting people to at least be open to or want to work for your organization. And all of that stuff, whether it's process or tools or all the stuff that is a byproduct of it means nothing if you don't have people interested in you as a company, as a place to work. It's Absolutely. just that. Simple. Absolutely. So, give us some examples um, from a story point of view, Ed. That's because uh, I know you're very passionate about um, humor or heart, which are really it's a it's a really nice way of of delivering that that message of eliciting emotion in in your employer brand. But um, give us some examples that you've done recently from a, a story perspective that have, have landed particularly well. Yeah, so there's a there's a company here out in Massachusetts called Foundation Medicine, and they are a cancer company. So meaning that they work on individual cancer care treatments and diagnosis mm-hmm. for people instead of saying, you know, gosh, you have brain cancer. Here's how we always treat brain cancer. What they're doing is, no, no, this is your DNA. This is what will work for you, what best, so on. Really cool stuff. But in the world of life sciences, it was something where you know to do employer branding was really kind of earth shattering because they have so many <laughs> compliance issues and patient and you know HIPAA and all the stuff that goes with it, and so you know they were one of the first life sciences companies that I had a chance to work with, and I found it really interesting. We came up with this whole campaign called hashtag Uniquely FMI Foundation Medicine Inc., and it tied into the company brand because unique cancer care, unique treatments, but also the unique people behind the company. And there was a whole thing about people and uniquely FMI and the people behind the unique treatments and how they each had their own stories about cancer affecting their own lives. But even beyond that, they created a video that got a lot of attention. It was featured in Fast Company and I believe in Forbes and some other publications that really kind of touched on it from a from a perspective of kind of tying it all together. It was called FMIAM. And there were just people from all different parts of the company, executives to lab techs to receptionists, holding up a placard with nice music behind it saying, FMI am their job, right? And then I am helping to transform cancer care by and whatever they do, whatever their things. And, if, and you heard everything from, you know, FMI am a lover of R&B to FMI am a dad and everywhere in between, yeah. right? Telling their stories, you know, emotional funny, whatever it is. And it ended with the, the whole shot of the, the team doing some placards in unison, showing their logo and then flipping them over to saying transform cancer care. 
Honestly, I get the chills thinking about it. And it was just an incredible campaign. Do you know, see, this is, it goes back to a a point we were talking about earlier. See, you have to, I've literally, I've just got goosebumps as well, seriously. You know, and because I can imagine, I know how well that, that lands and do you know why it's because it's absolutely authentic you and you watch content like that and it doesn't even have to be um you know cinematic or you know professionally shot and all this kind of stuff the audience is smart enough um and human enough to see that that is just real life that's a that's a brand sort of letting the guard down and letting you inside and, and just being honest about you know what's going on inside you know and and it works, doesn't it? You know, I think um, I think there's so much opportunity for organisations to take that approach. And sometimes it frustrates me. Actually, it's like, look, you sat on a gold mine here. You know, you yeah. just need to be brave enough to trust. <laughs> no question, no question. You know, I remember when we were together in Nashville at LinkedIn Talent Connect. There was a question in my session that I know you were at, mm-hmm. where someone asked, you know, about the employees and how do we, you know, how do we make sure that you know the company is okay with letting them be advocates and tell their stories and share what makes them love it there and why they stay and all that. Mm-hmm. And my response, you know, I'm just going to bring it up again, is what I always say is they're doing it already every day. (laughs) They're touching customers outside all day long. And if you don't trust them to say or do the right thing, then I always say you hired the wrong people. (laughs) True. It's so true. It's so true. It's like um, years ago when we went into talking to brands and they said, oh, no, we're not on social media. We don't do social media. And it's like... Well, we've got a ton of evidence to suggest that you are on social media. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't control what people are saying about you, but you can influence it. You know, right. and the same sort of thing apl- applies. But if, first of all, if you ask, you know, typically um, I'm always bowled over by the response organizations get, you know, um, and, and especially during the research stage, people tend to hold, not hold back and give you brutal truth. And sometimes that's really heartwarming and, you know, you get chills. And sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it's, a, it's a bit of pill to swallow and you, you've, you find that the company's got some challenges. But actually what you've uncovered is the truth nevertheless. You know, and I guess, and I, and I know your process is similar to us, Ed. As long as you then take action, demonstrate you've listened um, and put that in the context of why, why people should care about that. Uh, telling the truth and being authentic, you know, that's, it's very difficult to beat, right? Right. Well, because everyone wants to be authentic with an asterisk, right? (laughs) Which is still cool, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and I get that. I understand that. But, you know, again, I think the best way to be authentic is just be you. You know, there's that quote from Tyrion in Game of Thrones. Again, I can't help but dork out where he says, (laughs) If you wear what you are like armor, no one can ever hurt you. Yeah, it's a and I really, and I really, really believe that. And it's something I have in my office that I stare at every day. You know that you know it's just be that, be it, and wear it like armor. Because if you do, the people who like it will become passionate about it, and they start to align with you. And the people who don't, well, that's it. I mean, I do it every day in my own brand. I show up to business meetings in Star Wars T-shirts. You know. <laughs> And if they don't like that about me, then guess what? They're not going to like working with me. And that's cool. That's okay. Yeah. But but the people who do like it, we're going to get along famously. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's having the confidence to own who you are as an organization. And the beauty of it is it 
it scales, doesn't it? It's true for an individual and it scales right up to a global organization with hundreds of thousands of employees. It's just a global truth. Uh, no question. And that's honestly what I look outside at you guys is that I find incredibly attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's a lovely place to, to play. Um, and, you know, we've both been around the block. If you find a client that you get on with and, and they've got an element of bravery and authenticity and, and that trust, you know, you can create magic. And I would definitely take employer brand over consumer brand work any day of the week because I, I maintain the authenticity um, and real genuine human stories are much easier to find. Uh, no question. And you, you know what the funny part is, is that people often forget about the retention aspects mm. of sharing your employee stories yeah. publicly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one thing you're in a meeting at the company in a town hall and you call up Brian and say, Brian Adams, you're our employee of the month. Here's this check and a big round of applause for Brian. Everyone give Brian a round of applause. Right. But what if you did that to the world Absolutely. and said, we love Brian. Here's Brian's story. Brian is someone we are just so proud to have as an employee. Think of the impact that has on Brian, on his family, on his colleagues, seeing Brian put out there. All of those things are just that makes it much harder for a person to leave if their company saying, we love you, shouting it from the treetops. Absolutely. And if if you're in the team of somebody being um, promoted and celebrated you're proud of them you know it gives you you know there's so many benefits but see and this is something i've been talking a lot about recently ed is um and uh, you know you just touched on it there we get asked to do um talent attraction projects we get asked to do employee referral projects we get asked to do employee engagement projects and employee brand what we're doing there is we're looking at the core like the building blocks and of course the ROI, um, you know, it crosses over massively. You know, if, if you do right by your employees, you could look at that as in employee engagement. But then if you put it, share it with the world, it's it's talent attraction, you know. So yeah. you get you get more bang for your buck. I hate that phrase, actually, bang for your buck. It's horrible. But um, you definitely get so much more exponential value for, for taking that approach, right? I mean... It, is that, is that something that you talk about or, you know, you've got any sort of... Um... Absolutely. So, you know, so there's um, there's a statistic that I like to reference all the time and it's from it's from Cisco and Dell, the two as well. First is an employee on average has a 10 times bigger network than does the company they work for. If you think about it, that means people who are following a company, right, versus a person's individual network. To follow a company, you know, you're basically saying, please market to me. When you tap in, you hit follow on LinkedIn of a company. Not many people do that of their own free accord. And last I heard, the average number of companies followed on LinkedIn is per person is four, right? So that's a <laughs> distinct thing in action to do. Uh-huh. So you have a 10 times bigger network of those employees. And then then this is the, the one that really of that 10 times bigger network, 90% are typically of their networks new to your brand. Mm. So again, you could speak in the echo chamber from your corporate accounts and and talk to the people that are already kind of drinking from the fountain, or you can reach and amplify that message a hundred times over, right? If you just let your people talk and let them do what, again, it's, it's, it's impactful. And wouldn't you know it, the people who are working for you, I bet they work with people as well in the past that they're connected with that you probably want to talk to. 
Absolutely, hundred percent. So let's give some practical advice to the audience now, uh, Ed, because at this point, if they're not bought into our philosophy and the approach of using heartfelt, genuine, authentic stories and using their biggest asset in an organization, which is which is talent, to to do that, then you know we're wasting our time. But assuming everybody's on our same page. Um, I would imagine there's some people out there with a burning question. Okay, so I buy into that. I great. I produce the, the the stories. What are some of the practical, physical tools I need to equip and uh, our employees with to start seeing that happen and to get the talent come back that we actually want and need? Yeah. So so it's got to be. I'm going to say it starts with this. If it's not important to leadership then it's not going to be important to the employees. It starts from the top. And what I mean by that is that you've got to get the buy-in from the executives that this is important. And they've got to talk about and back up that talk that it's important. So a lot of companies, what we'll do to kind of kick this process off is do some sort of contest that they do every month. One of the companies I work with does a value of the quarter. They announce at the beginning of their town hall, all all hands every quarter, and they say the person, the people with the best video or picture of the value of this quarter, we meet at the end of the quarter and we decide who wins and that person gets a cool prize and then we do it again the next quarter with a different value. And it's part of the conversation of everything from how's the business doing to all these other things that make it seem like it's important. Some companies have a social leaderboard they do where they track you know, use of hashtags or other things to see how people are doing. They talk about things like Glassdoor and why it's important. We know people, you know, we just want you to be honest. Go on there. Whether you love it here or you hate it here, as long as you go on there and you're honest honest, A, you're giving us feedback, but B, it helps other candidates think about, you know, why they would want to come here or why they wouldn't want to come here. We'd rather you be honest than anything, right? And starts there. So it starts with A, getting leadership to say it's important. And if it's important, then it should be to the employees, especially if they're seeing some recognition from it. Mm -hmm. Second, I would say is give them some guidelines. But if you talk like Big Brother, and like legalize them to death, they won't do it. They'd rather just avoid that headache oh, than you know than, than to have to follow all these minutia legalese type documents. Yeah. So so one yeah, thing here, ahead. one thing here that grates on me is when I look at guidelines. A lot of the time, it focuses on what you can't do. Right. Do not do this. Definitely don't do that. Don't use this in this way. Blah 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 blah. So when we put guidelines together, well, we call it a playbook, right? We we focus on what you can do. And the value, if you do, and try and empower the employees. How 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 do you do that? How do you um, try and put a, a more of a positive spin on it to actually encourage people to to do it? Yeah, I always say, what's in it for them? Yeah, you know, and I and I, it's basically very simple. One is their personal brand. Right. So we talked about earlier about the I don't know you factor. Think mm-hmm. about someone talking about the cool work that they're doing and sharing how engaged they are with their work and what their you know, what their story is just over time on social media. Well, you know what? That starts to build the the, the lesson, the I don't know you and starts to build your personal brand. You know, I'd love to say everyone's going to stay at companies for the rest of their lives. We know that's not the reality. Right. And, it, and if you have a personal brand out there that's being strengthened by this thing, by what your efforts are doing then guess what? That's only going to help you down the road with other jobs. Second, it's going to drive referrals, right? Again, the more of you are out there, you know, it means a lot more coming from an employee saying, I love it here than in the company. It always will, 
right? And if your employee, your colleagues see it, your friends see it, all of those things, come time when you're looking to find somebody or when there's new openings at your company, the chances of you getting a referral are much greater if you're acting that way socially and all of those things. And then lastly, I say it also helps the company you work for, right? You want to work with really smart people. Well, guess what? This is going to help us do that. It's going to help us bring those people to us because it's like, you know, again, I, I use the Yelp example. You know, you're looking on Yelp and you see a restaurant. The restaurant says we have the best food and spirits and atmosphere and all that. But if no one's agreeing with that from the actual customers, you got a problem. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. But it's funny, isn't it? But literally just by reframing it uh, and acknowledging, OK, what's in it for me as the employee? Why would I do this? What's gonna? How am I better off afterwards? Um, what's the immediate gratification? You know, how does it impact my day to day? How can I demonstrate that I'm contributing to you know the vision of the company? You know, all of those things. I mean, that's that's what matters, right? You know, and organisations um, sometimes neglect to to put themselves in the in the shoes of the the employee, right? You know, I mean, how many times do you see? brands asking for referrals and not backing it up with the why or it's it's not the right why it's the why for the company but but not putting the emphasis on on the employees absolutely absolutely and again you know there is a lot in it for people you just got to let them know Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so wow we've covered a lot here ed we've covered a lot i want to give you some time to talk about um how you help organizations stand out in a, in a crowd these these days because you know we know there's a lot of organizations not putting enough time into employer brands but you know i think i think it's safe to say that you know that that trend uh, isn't going to last for too much longer uh, you know it's it's tough to get talent so people are trying and being more creative and, and starting to take more risks perceived risks uh, from a tactical point of view now, because we've talked sort of strategically and the sort of, you know, um, the hearts and minds of organizations have got to change sort of strategically. But tactically, what are some of the best ways for a brand to uh, to stand out in the right way, um, especially in the, in the social space? Yeah. So, again, you know, there's 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 the you know, the analogy I always like to use is. It's like, you know, if I were to walk into some foreign marketplace on a, on a trip, on a vacation, and I want to go buy something for my kids or a beautiful bite to eat. If I walk into that marketplace and everyone's screaming at me to say, come here, come here, come here, right, and pushing each other out of the way to get my business, I'm going to run. I'm going to run for the door and I'm never going to buy. And that's exactly what we do. So, again, I understand companies are starting to come around to the fact that, you know what, this stuff is important. But they're doing it in such a safe and kind of non-risk, you know, risk-averse kind of way where, you know, again, I I love this quote, but vanilla is my favorite ice cream flavor, but (laughs) in marketing, it does shit. And, and, and that's exactly how I believe in that. And it's, and it's very true. Mm. So again, like if you look at pure science, what do human beings respond to? You know, the, the drama, the famous drama masks that have been around since the dawn of man's civilization, mm-hmm. they're there for a reason. That's what we respond to. And if it's selfish agenda-driven content, meaning look at me like those, mar- those people in that marketplace. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. It's about me. It's about me. No one is going to respond. 
And people smell that BS 100 miles away, and they want no part of it. <laughs> so true. So, <laughs> so what you got to do is give them something. Offer something up. Don't be all about you. Don't be posting your jobs nonstop, right? That, look at the engagement on that. I guarantee you it's not working. What you need to do is start to think about what do my audience care about? Get to who am I trying to attract? What do they give a crap about? And how can I offer some value in that conversation? And then do it, either make it funny or make it something that inspires some sort of emotion, whether it's sadness or happiness or, you know, or anger, whatever those things are, you've got to elicit emotion. And those things will get you a response. So again, just to put it in terms I think everyone will understand, if you want to make a recruiting video, and I understand it. Everyone wants to do a recruiting video nowadays. If you put the idea of saying, I'm going to put my five employees and we're going to pick as diverse as possible a team and put them in front of a, a standard setting in the office and ask them why they love their job with the cheesy music playing, snooze city. Nobody <laughs> cares. You are doing what everybody else does. You've got to give them a reason to click on that video. OK, it's like, again, you know, I always laugh when I work with companies and they say, well, look at our engagement. And I do. And they're on their press releases and all that stuff. You know who's liking it? Your employees. And I always show them that. Right. You've got to give them unselfish, driven, interesting and relatable content. To do that, you do have to take chances. And on the Internet, people will always hate. There will always be a segment of people who hate. You have to be comfortable with that. Again, think of the Tyrion quote I mentioned earlier. I, As I said, I could write an article about how I can solve world hunger in four days. And someone would be like, you're an asshole. <laughs> it's just the nature of the world we live in. You have it's to be true. comfortable with that. Some people will not like what you do. Mm -hmm. But the people who do get it, they will love you. And they will become excited about you. Yeah, and I guess if um, if you wear who you are, like armor, uh, just sort of going back to to, to that analogy as well. Uh, the the worst thing that can happen when you put content out there that speaks a universal truth is that maybe not as many people see it as you would like. But that's kind of okay from a risk point of view, isn't it? You know, right? Yes, um, you know. absolutely. I mean, again, you know, a lot. I, I think back to that Rapid Seven story I was telling you about. I was working for a big multinational before that, and if I went to the CEO and said, "You know what? I want to make a parody of Flashdance," he would have said, "You're fired." <laughs> But it worked, and you got to sometimes take chances, and it was right for the company that I was in. It wouldn't have been right for that company I was in before, but it was right for where I was at Rapid7. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully just um, having listened to us for the last half an hour, we've inspired some people to say, do you know what, screw it, I'm going to take a little bit of a of a risk and do something fun or something slightly out there or I'm going to do something a little bit more creative to show the human side of our, our brand. I'm, and I, I don't ever do this on this podcast, but please, if anyone is out there motivated to do something slightly differently or creative or more human because of this conversation, please do um, let us know. And I'd, I'll, I'd love to pass that on to, to, um, to Ed as well, because I'm sure you'd be made up to hear that as well, right, Ed? Absolutely. Yeah, cool. All right, well, that's uh, sadly all we've got uh, time for for, uh, for this episode. Ed, I could talk to you all day, and I think we'll probably carry <laughs> Likewise, on. Likewise, man. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so cool when we um, disappear down, down these rabbit holes. Um, but before we go, um, tell the audience how they can find out a little bit more about you, and um, is there anything else you want to leave us with or draw our attention to? 
So, so you can find me at my website, redpilltalent.com. You know, I'm also on most social media channels as Ed Nathanson, at Ed Nathanson on Twitter. But, um, you know, just to leave you with the fact that, you know, nobody remembers the masses. And if you think of anyone who's done anything in business, in sport, in entertainment, they've taken chances, right? Fear is the enemy. Again, Yoda, fear leads to the dark side. Take chances. Fear is going to hold you back. Go for it. Amazing. Amazing. Fantastic. Well, thanks once again, Ed. And thank you all for listening. That's it for another week. Join me next time for more pearls of story-based wisdom from another storytelling expert. But that's it for this week.